0: Let's just pray and ask God to bless his word to our hearts, and I'll take this off too. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are God over all. You are the mighty God, the creator of all things, and you are the one who sits on the throne of the universe and rules with love and grace and equity and righteousness and truth. Thank you that you sent your son to be our saviour. Thank you that we come to you, on his merits, not our own. We come with confidence into the very presence of God. Thank you for your spirit who dwells within all those who know you and have trusted Christ as their Lord and Saviour. And Lord, as we uh, open your word and think about it and apply it to our lives, we pray that your spirit will illumine, teach, cause us to retain and to apply your word in a way that's uniquely Needed for us personally, each one of us online or here in the auditorium, we pray. So we trust you and thank you for this in our Saviour's name, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Skills for living. Boy, I watch these guys playing the guitars and piano and uh, the skill there, the drums, you know, the way they... And... um, the skills in how to um, cook a cake and, and pre- prepare a lovely meal, especially a, a biryani, right? <laughs> Woo-hoo! I love biryani, um, which is an Indian dish, and you, if you haven't tried it, you've got to try it. Um, so we, we have skills in life, and the book of Proverbs, I'm starting a series uh, that I was going to plan to go on through and do all different themes but I haven't got time, I'm only here for another month. So I'm doing uh, an introductory two messages and then taking two of the themes that come up uh, regularly in the book of Proverbs. So today is an introduction to the book and that's why we've just read the first nine verses. The book contains short, pithy sayings, we call them proverbs. Uh, they're sound bites that are very memorable. And somebody has called them portable lessons for our time. In other words, I like that. Portable lessons. You can pick them up and take them with you. You can memorize them easily and then they affect your life. They're lessons to learn from and apply to your life for skills for living. So uh, today we're looking at the source of wise living. Every culture has proverbs. Look before you leap. Now imagine if it was leap before you look. No way. Um, Once bitten, twice shy. The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. So we know there's lots of proverbs in our culture and in Africa and and Brazil. And you'll see up there online on on the screen, uh, uh, all sorts of nations and peoples have their own proverbs that they uh, look at life and they put a little succinct sentence together that tells us something, it's a lesson, it's skills for living. So the recurring themes through the book of Proverbs are ones like work and laziness, um, friendship, marriage and parenting, wealth and poverty and and justice for the poor, and so on. And we're going to pick up two, as I say, later in this month. So I want to look then as again as introduction, because to understand the, the proverbs of this book and apply them, we really knew, do need to understand what the book is, the place that the book has in Scripture. And uh, so the knowing the type, the genre of the book is really important for the book of Proverbs, helping us to interpret it correctly. So the genre of the book—it is not a historical book, uh, like a, uh, a narrative. It is not a teaching book. It is not a letter or epistle. It is not a gospel. It is not—it is not revelation uh, style of uh, apocalyptic literature. The style is called Wisdom Literature. Wisdom Literature, there's five books in the Bible that are Wisdom Literature or for the book of Psalms contain some Psalms that are Wisdom Literature. And they're Job, Psalms, Proverbs, <coughs> Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon. And so uh, Wisdom Literature is quite unique. Back in those days, the, there were sages And actually it was called the wisdom culture. Like you have that as a a focus for the whole culture was to be wise. And and the whole idea of wisdom was very much elevated in the eyes of the community and the people. And so you had these sages who were very wise older men normally who would then look on life and observe. And in observing life, they would then... um, put together a succinct little proverb or saying that would help train and teach people how to live, skills for living. So they are observations of wise men who were respected, held in high esteem. They observe, and in the book of Proverbs, being an inspirational book that is, sorry, inspired by God book. There's lots of inspirational books that are not inspired by God. But a book that has been inspired by God, so it observes, these wise men observe, and especially Solomon, the created order and human behaviour, and with divine inspiration, they give insight into the order that God has established in creation, and especially among human beings. Just as scientists discover laws in the universe and in the world, um, sometimes they get it wrong. But anyway, uh, they just as they discover things, so these wise men discovered things about life, about skills for living. Now, I'd like you to turn and read in, uh, in um, sorry Proverbs eight, and I'll just go there myself, because Proverbs eight. Um, has a section which the Jehovah's Witnesses say this is talking about Jesus that he was the first of God's creation which is not what it's saying it's talking about wisdom not the Son of God Um, but anyway in verse 22 it says talking about wisdom and wisdom here in the book of Proverbs especially in the first nine chapters is personified often it's a she she, wisdom, wisdom does this and does that, and looks at this and looks at that. So here we have the essential passage about wisdom being the wisdom of God. So when it's talking in the per- first person, me, it's talking about wisdom is talking here. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work. The first of his acts of old, ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. It says in verse 22 and 23. and verse 27... When he established the heavens, I was there. I, wisdom, was there. Uh, when he drew a circle on the face of the deep, I. Uh, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, and so on. Verse 30, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always. In other words, it's a picturesque way of saying that God didn't just create the things and then say, oh, we need to get a bit of order here. Now, how can we work this out? Right from the beginning, God in his wisdom created everything, including the human race and male and female, and he put it all together. And wisdom was very much at the forefront of his creation. So now the wise man looks, the Christian or the uh, godly, the 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 person who follows the word of God and believes in the living God who created all things uh, looks at life and sees it through those eyes of a God of wisdom who created things wisely. Now let's learn what God is saying about life from looking at life. So that's really what the Proverbs is about. It's really important to understand that if we're going to interpret Proverbs correctly. The Proverbs are practical, not theoretical. Here's an example of, of a wise man looking at, Solomon, looking at uh, life, some aspect of life, and then he makes a proverb from it. So he looks at life and he says, I went past the field of a sluggard. This is Proverbs 24, verse 30. I went past this field of the sluggard. That's a good word, isn't it? Yeah. Past the, the, uh, a loafer, you know, um, Bloodger. Anyway, past the, the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of a man who lacks judgment. Thorns had grown up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds. The stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson for what I, from what I saw. Then he comes with the proverb. A little sleep, you probably know it, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit. That is what Proverbs is. It's observing and then saying, this is the skill for living, that if you're going to uh, really uh, just take it easy and do nothing, then you're going to be in poverty. You have to work. Um, not only are Proverbs uh, practical, not, uh, not theoretical, they're also observations, as I've already mentioned. They're not promises. Now, I could ask you, what's a, a proverb you know? Train up a child in the way that he should go and in the end he will not depart from it is not a promise. It's an observation. He looks at life and he sees all these godly families who bring up their kids in the way of God And the norm is that they will not depart from it. Then he looks at other families where they don't bring up their kids in the way of the Lord and he says, no, train up a child in the way. Train, you know, get involved, engage with them in teaching them the word of God in the way they should live and in the end, they will not depart from it. That's a norm. That's a proverb. That's an observation of life. Honor the Lord with your wealth is another one in chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. And the televangelists who are prosperity gospel people love that verse, but it's not a promise, it's an observation. All right. The value of the book, first of all, is an aid to memory. The way they're written, you can memorize them. Secondly, it provokes thought and meditation. You can take a proverb and chew on it and and, and think about it and turn it over in your mind through the day, through the week, and it can create uh, good thoughts and, and, and learning experience. They're not intended to be read like a narrative, so you don't read the book of Proverbs like you read the Gospel of John. You read the book of Proverbs by reading a proverb at a time. Maybe there's two or three proverbs that are the same kind of proverb topic and you might read three at a time. But it's not to be read like a normal book. Well, you can if you want. You can read a dictionary too if you want. Um, it examines human behavior. Is it wise or is it foolish? And, and, and the straight path that often comes up in the book of Proverbs, the straight path is the wise path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Wise. The rest of Scripture commands. The book of Proverbs commends the wise way of living. The rest of Scripture um, condemns sin, Proverbs convinces us of the folly of sin. See, there, a lot of the word of God has commands. You shall not commit adultery. But when you come to the book of Proverbs, it says, what a fool to commit adultery. It's taking that sin that is commanded elsewhere and showing the absolute stupidity of doing that. A wise person will overcome that temptation and live a holy life. A fool will give in to that temptation. So he commends the way that that is wise and commands, and and sorry, convinces of the folly of sinful living. Traffic, Traffic laws are for our good. Stop signals are there. All right, it's law, but it's also wise to stop. (laughs) And <laughs> look before you leap. Okay. Um, then we come to the structure of the book. The structure of the book is the first seven verses, actually, is the introduction. Then uh, the rest of chapter one through to the end of chapter nine is incentives to pursue wisdom. So it's really written to try and encourage us to pursue wisdom. And then after that, you have the actual Proverbs. Um, although there may be some Proverbs, there are some Proverbs in the first nine chapters, then you start with the, um, in, in, in reality, you, you, you really get into the Proverbs in verses 10, uh, chapters 10 to 22. And then from chapters 22 to 31, it's not, uh, it was the Proverbs of Solomon in the first, in those 10, chapters 10 to 22. Then there's the Proverbs, of various sages. And actually <clears throat> some of those sages uh, date back to the quotes of Proverbs in that passage, of that end part of the book, that actually have been found in, in um, hieroglyphics in Egypt. So they were ancient Proverbs, but they were brought into the word of God because truth is truth and reality is reality and wisdom is wisdom. And so at the end of that book, has uh, of this book has um, proverbs from various other sages so we've looked then at the uh, the place the book has in scripture now we're going to look at the purpose of the book and that's in, in verse two especially we start there where it says to know wisdom and instruction to understand words of insight to develop first of all mental wisdom and then we're going to look at moral wisdom so Mental wisdom, the age we live in is the age of knowledge. Got a um, Facebook message from somebody saying that th- there's a place in Western Australia named after the nickname or the same as the nickname of our daughter, Bood. Boodle. Bood. And it's or something. So I went to Google, I Googled it, and it and it came up, you know, the meaning of uh, they don't know what the meaning of the word is in the, in the ori- Aboriginal language that it came from, but um, there was a Boodle um, brook and told us all about that, or oh, not Boodle brook, but the boot, whatever it is, the word, brook. And, and so there's instant knowledge and, and you, you Google anything, or not just Google you can check it out uh, online and find uh, what you need to know. And there's so much knowledge out there and it is the information age, isn't it? But knowledge isn't equal to wisdom. You can have some very knowledgeable people who make some very foolish choices. Wisdom, the word in this book that is the major focus of the book, wisdom, The word wisdom is the Hebrew word chokmah, chokmah, which means skill. And so it's used through the Old Testament in Hebrew in a variety of ways. For instance, in the building of the tabernacle in Exodus 35, every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of the construction of the sanctuary. So it's building skill. There's judicial skills and administrative skills, uh, the word is used there in the Old Testament for that. But here in the book of Proverbs, it's used for social skills, skills for living. There are seven synonyms to wisdom in uh, these, this first chapter. It's like um, somebody has said wisdom's attendance." are these words that we're going to look at, understanding, insight, prudence, knowledge, discretion, learning, and guidance. These words are like, um, it's like love. Love is patient and kind and so on. You can go in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 13, where it's saying love is all these things. It's like the rainbow of love is all these different colors, if you like, of love. And so the rainbow of wisdom are all these words, and we're going to look at some of them together now. And these words that we see here in these, these first three uh, few verses are the same words that come up in, um, in chapter 8, where it's wisdom is talking, um, uh, which I read some of it to you. And it says there, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. Counsel and sound judgment of mine. I have insight. So that's um, backing up what I just shared, that these words are actually used as a synonym to the word wisdom. So first of all, there's understanding. This is an ability to discern. Solomon, remember, God said, what do you want? What did he say? I want to be rich. No. I want a long life. No. I want to have a lovely family with one wife? No. Well, you should have. What did did he ask for? He said, give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. He asked for wisdom. And here we have it, the book of Proverbs written by the wise man. Solomon, known for his wisdom. So understanding is the first thing, ability to discern. Secondly, prudence, that subtlety and craft. Remember in the Garden of Eden, the serpent, it says there the serpent was the crafty, was the crafty one of all God's animal kingdom that he made. That's not bad. You can be crafty without being evil. If somebody's trying to rip you off, you'll be very careful how you... You won't lie, hopefully, and you won't do anything wrong, but you can be crafty without doing anything wrong. Be careful and avoid talking about something because you know that if you do, they might get the wind of something that you're wanting to do to prevent yourself getting ripped off. So craft is not evil in itself. Jesus said to be, as, to be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So prudence is subtlety craft uh, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, and to give prudence to the simple. Now the word simple there is not an idiot that's like half brain got lost somewhere. Um, The idea of simple here is inexperienced youth. Whenever you see the word simple in the book of Proverbs, it's not talking about uh, a person who's who's, um, one sandwich short of a picnic. Um, It's a person who is inexperienced, simple, uh, haven't really faced life and don't really know the ins and outs of things. And so in that sense, they're simple. That is the word. It's not a derogatory word at all. And so personal experience can be a hard teacher. And Solomon's saying, and, and, and through this, especially the first nine chapters, is saying, you know, seek wisdom because it's going to be the best thing for you. Uh, if you let the hard lessons of life teach you what you could learn uh, in other ways, then it's going to be a lot harder for you. Next is knowledge, verse 4. Gain through experience. The word there in the Hebrew means Knowledge from experience. And so you live your life and you learn as you go. The wisdom of knowledge. Knowledge like, for instance, that you learn when we uh, lived in Indiana and uh, on those very, very cold days. Like sometimes it would be below 35 degrees Celsius. 35 degrees Celsius below. And Mug would take a mug of boiling water, throw it up in the air, and it would turn into snow. It was freezing. And you drive your car, and they put salt on the roads, but then you get onto a side road where they haven't salted it. And you're driving along carefully, you hit a corner, and you just go, even if you're going, Imagine if I was going the normal speed limit. The speed limit allows me to drive at whatever it was, but I'm not going to drive at that speed, even though I'm allowed to. I'm wise enough to know that even if I go really slow, I can still slide off the road. Wisdom from experience. First time I hit the ice, I realised I'm going to have to be careful here. (laughs) I learned through experience. didn't go off the road, but... I felt the thing sliding. Anyway, so knowledge. And the next one is discretion, the ability to form plans based on knowledge. Like um, knowledge that um, uh, we are wanting to outreach as a church and um, there's all sorts of ideas of what we can do and should do. And uh, the elders have to have wisdom saying, well, this is in line with our vision and, and that isn't. Uh, We can't do all of these things because we don't have the personnel or resources to do it. Let's do this and this and this and let's whatever. See, it's not just knowledge. Oh, yeah, let's outreach and let's uh, build up the body and so on is great, but let's be wise about how we do this. And wisdom is an integral part of leadership. Discretion. And uh, the next one is guidance, acting on good advice. When I started preaching, I was a young buck, and I was very aggressive in my. I was an evangelist, commended to the Lord's work as evangelist. And I was very aggressive. I, I'd yell and I'd preach, like, you're going to hell. Sorry about that. And somebody said to me, Keith, you're scaring them away. Even though what you're telling the, is the truth, the way you're going about it, you need to pull back a bit. If I hadn't listened to that advice, I would not have got any more invitations to run a crusade. Um, I listened to advice. When I started Bible teaching, when I moved from evangelism into uh, Bible teaching ministry and, and so on, I felt the burden to, oh, I have to have a really good, solid Bible teaching message and I would cram it full of facts and truth and that's... Truth is all good and facts are all good, but it was so heavy duty. Then I went to a conference and someone said, well, it's not what you say that's important, it's what they hear. If you say all this stuff and it just goes over their head, what's the point? But if you take what Jesus did, he took truth and he expressed it in a parable. Parable. And another parable and then took a a miracle that he did and something he did and he used that to teach. He was a a teacher par excellence because of his ability to communicate truth, not just do a um, Bible college lecture. So it's so important. Guidance. I learned that and I began to adjust my teaching accordingly. Hopefully it's true today. I've got a way to go yet. (laughs) Don't worry. I'm almost at the third point. And my wife says, stop apologising whenever you you think you're going too long. Um, So I won't apologise again. Promise. Um, And by the way, in verse 5, it's not just the simple who need wisdom. It says, let the wise hear and increase in learning. We're always learning. And if you're not always learning, then you're not a wise person. Because the wise hear and increase their learning. And then finally, I'm finally in this point, to develop moral wisdom. Not just mental wisdom, but moral wisdom. In verse 3, to receive instruction in righteousness, justice, and equity. So that when you read the Proverbs and when you think about them and mull them over in your mind, it actually affects your life in terms of righteousness, justice, and equity. A wise life will be right before God and just and fair to our neighbours. To love the Lord my God with all my heart and to love my neighbours myself. That's what that verse is saying. <clears throat> righteousness, justice and equity. Wisdom in the book of Proverbs equals righteousness. Righteousness equals wisdom. If you live a righteous life, you live a wise life. If you live a wise life, you live a righteous life. They go together. They're married. They're intertwined. But also folly and wickedness are also interchangeably linked. And thirdly, the the primary key to the book is in verse 7. The source of wise living is the fear of the Lord. Now, it says in verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or the beginning of wisdom. It's repeated again that verse in chapter 8, I think it is, where it it replaces the word knowledge for wisdom because, as I've already mentioned, knowledge is a substitute for the word wisdom in the book of Proverbs. So the beginning, sorry, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or the beginning of wisdom. The book of Proverbs or the actual Proverbs have limited value without this key element, fear of the Lord. Now, it's not fear of God. Fear of God is so different from the fear of the Lord. Fear of God is, it says in Romans 3, talking about the sinful, rebellious, willful world that is out there that, Um, None are righteous, no, not one. And it goes on and says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Fear of God is that awesome, scared of being judged by a holy God when I'm a sinner. And there's no fear of God before their eyes. That's why they continue living the way they live and doing the things they do. That's fear of God. But fear of the Lord is different. Campbell Morgan puts it this way, there's two kinds of fear. Fear lest he hurt me, that's fear of God, or fear lest I hurt him. That's fear of the Lord. It's reverence. It is holding God as an awesome God, wanting to not displease him in any way, Wanting to be super sensitive to please him with my life. The fear of the Lord. The word the Lord instead of God. Fear of God, fear of the Lord. The word the Lord is the relationship name of God. That is his relationship with Israel and his relationship with us. And so in my relationship with God, I fear the Lord. I honor him. I hold him high in my estimation and desire to please him to love him now it says here that the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom it doesn't mean it's the start it's the foundation the word means has the understanding of foundation of wisdom like the letters of the alphabet the beginning of the alphabet is not a if using this word the beginning of the alphabet is all the letters of the alphabet. The foundation for writing and speaking is the alphabet. And if you don't have that, you can't write or speak. It's foundational. And it's the same with music, notes and clefs. You don't have notes and clefs, you don't have music. I don't know whether the drummers use notes and clefs though. So maybe we could just have the drums. The fear of the Lord is the foundation for wisdom. It's the condition of being wise. So it starts there. If we want to live a wise life, then we start with, and we only always have the fear of the Lord as a means of interpreting life and living life. I want to please God. And that will help me make a wise choice when it comes to my money, to my friends, to my involvement in this and my non-involvement in that. Everything I do in life will be from that one focus of wanting to please God. Fear of the Lord. See how it's the foundation for wisdom. But the source of foolish living is also in this book. Not just only the source of wise living. And I want to finish up by saying that, The rest of verse 7 says the fools despise wisdom and instruction. As we'll see in the book of Proverbs, the fool doesn't listen to advice. The fool just disregards or regards as insignificant, despises, has contempt for the wise way, for God's way. And so there's talk here in these two verses and also through this whole um, nine verses chapters at the beginning of this book, of mother and father having input into the lives of their kids, learning wisdom from your parents. Uh, Marg likes to quote this, Virtue is learned at my mother's knee, vice at some other joint. (laughs) Mothers and fathers are mentioned 12 times in these chapters. Uh, my son, the words my son, don't do this and do that. My son, 18 times in these chapters and 26 through the whole book. And it was like Solomon's writing to his son Rehoboam, and Rehoboam didn't listen. Because we find that Rehoboam did stupid things, didn't listen to advice, and divided the kingdom. And Jeroboam was much the same. Both were foolish sons of the wisest man because they didn't listen to advice. They didn't fear the Lord. Solomon himself was taught by David, wasn't he? So parents, teach your children wisdom. This week, I've got a project for you. I want you to find a proverb starting in chapter 10. Any, just pick a chapter and look for a proverb and then take that proverb with you through the week and think about it. Memorise it. Think about it. Apply it. Find a proverb and do that. I'd like to know how you go. Thank you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that your word is living and powerful and has truth contained in all its pages Help us to apply these things and understand these things so that we may live a wise life for your glory and name's sake. In Jesus' name, amen.